0: And we are back on the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. And of course, I got my co-host, Matt, here with me. The New York Jets, believe it or not, Matt, are coming off their third straight victory, sitting at 4-2, and two, second place in the AFC East, just like we all assumed before the season, I'm sure, <laughs> taking down the Green Bay Packers 27-10 to in Lambeau Field. The first time the Packers have lost in the regular season at home in the past 15 contests before this game. Uh, the first time... Aaron Rodgers has lost at home in Lambeau after a loss, I believe, ever. This is a statement win by the New York Jets. There's no other way to put it, and I think that's where we should start first and foremost by taking this in for what it is. The Jets took down the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field handily. This was not a close game. This was not a couple of lucky plays that were the deciding factor. This was an ass-whooping by the jets offensive and defensive lines on the green Bay Packers. And, and that's a huge, huge statement to the rest of the league. I think the jets are for real. They're starting to click. They're starting to have all their young pieces get together. The confidence is, is through the roof right now. And, and I bet this team feels like they can take on anyone and with the way they're playing, it might not be uh, hyperbole.
1: If they can. Yeah. Uh, there's all these narratives after the, the the Miami game, like, Oh, we can't, beat teams with their starting quarterbacks. Uh and everybody wrote us off and thought, well, there's no way they're gonna beat Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. Uh and guess what? We did. <laughs> and it's it really shows the fortitude and the strength of this team uh to really put themselves in the in this position. They 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 owe it to themselves. They they their hard work has finally paid off there. It seems like everybody's kind of finding their groove uh, and finding a way to to pull these wins out and not just like close ones either. We've had two, three score games in in a row. Uh, So this is something to be proud of. This is something to be happy about. And before this game, I mentioned that this is the kind of game that puts us in the conversation to be contenders. You can't look at this team and what they've accomplished so far, and say, no, they're most likely going to tank or, uh, or or not make the playoffs or not put out a, a good showing for the rest of the season. They are comfortably in a position now. I think they're the fifth seed the, if the season ended today. Uh, and this is the hard mm-hmm. stretch of the, of the schedule, uh, if, if you if you believe in that kind of thing of just looking at the, the opponents that we've faced so far and the opponents that we will be facing in the second half of the season, uh, we're going through the, the the thick of it right now. And we have a winning record. That is something to talk about.
0: It really is. No, there was, there was a handful of people that didn't think the jets were going to win a game before their bye week before the year started. And that they were going to start the year. Oh, and nine and be, Already racing for the first pick in the draft. Same old Jets. Here we go again. It's been six weeks, and the Jets have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone, someone irrelevant by the name of Brady, not the more popular guy. Uh, (laughs) Definitely some miscalculations there. The Jets have already matched their win total from last season. It's been six weeks. That's improvement. That's improvement. That is rounding the corner. That is taking on some of the tougher teams in the NFL, the hardest part of the schedule, like you said, and coming out four and two after six weeks is better than I think anyone could have hoped for, better than I think anyone would have anticipated. I know we were saying before the season, Matt, that we were hoping for two and two at best out of the first four. And that's what we got. And since then, it's been nothing but wins with Miami and Green Bay back to back. I said it before, I'll say it again. This is a statement game. This is a rest of the NFL wake up. It's not a fluke. This is not the Jets got lucky a couple of times when, when something happens more than once as frequently as this is going on, it's not luck anymore. It's a pattern. And I think that's what we're starting to see. There's a pattern that first off, the Jets are dang good on the road. They are the only team in the AFC to not lose on the road this year, period that that stands for something after I'm, trying to remember correctly, I think their only road win last season was at Houston.
1: I believe so. And it should be noted that these aren't easy uh, away games either. These are the hardest
0: places to play in the NFL. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, The Browns new stadium with all of their hype was definitely a hostile environment. Pittsburgh is historic for being a tough place to play on the road. And there's no better home field advantage in the NFL than Green Bay and Lambeau. And to go 3-0 and against those teams handily, quite honestly, and find ways to come out and secure victories, it really really says a lot about this team and about what Robert Sala has done to rebound things. You alluded to it earlier, Matt, about Aaron Rodgers being not, you know, one of these backup quarterbacks. He's about as far from a random backup quarterback as you can get. And yes, was he dealing with a, a throwing hand injury, a thumb injury? Absolutely but Rogers still made a couple of throws in that game that were pristine vintage Rodgers that only he and a handful of other guys could do. It didn't look like to me, like they were going against the shell of Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that this no. was a, a, you know, a completely washed broken down version of a formerly great player. I think Aaron Rodgers is still a very, very good quarterback. And he played that way against the jets. The problem was Matt, and this is where we got to start really The Jets defense just had their hair on fire from the very first snap, and it was a a complete and total domination effort by the entire unit, starting up front with the defensive line. Quinnen Williams is making his all pro case about as fast as we could hope for two sacks in this game, up to five on the season, currently leading the league for defensive tackles and sacks with those five sacks. He had an awesome game. John Franklin Myers got in on the party with a sack. Sheldon Rankins got in with a sack. Carl Lawson, I don't think he registered a sack himself, but he was doing damage on stunts, creating movement for other guys to come free. You know, the defensive line really had their way with this Packers offensive line from the very, very beginning of the game. And I do not think this game looks the way that it does without that effort.
1: It really doesn't. The the best offense for Green Bay all day, was probably penalties. Uh, I think they had something like 79 yards plus in, in penalty yardage. Uh, that That's really what kept them in this game. Uh, for and one of them was the were. Jets
0: coaches on the
1: sideline. Okay, yeah, which, that was ridiculous. Yeah, uh, yeah one of them throughout. wasn't even uh,
0: the defense. Uh, it was,
1: yeah, it, yeah, this defense is exactly what we kind of envisioned this defense could be, uh, especially with the pass rush we were salivating at the the idea of of lawson and Quinnen and franklin myers and jj and everybody else on the edge uh rotating in and out fresh legs coming after passers all game uh and it's kind of coming it's been coming to fruition the last uh, couple of days uh a couple of weeks where the this team has been coming after the quarterback and and Bunches too, not just a few times here and there and in clutch situations, how many I don't know how many uh, third down sacks or tackle for losses there were, uh, but there, there were quite a few. And so they're not just making an impact. They're making an impact in clutch situations. Uh, and they, uh, you really can't say enough about that.
0: No, you can't. And it goes back to what this coaching staff has said, you know, pretty much since they've been here, which is you got to find the guys that put on when it's crunch time. And when the game is on the line and you get in those third down situations, that's where games are won and lost in the NFL is third down in the turnover margin. And for this team, again, second straight week on offense with no turnovers, you have a defense that's able to generate turnovers and a fumble recovery. uh, That's always going to be a help. And then, like you said, coming up clutch on third down with big plays, we saw some great play at a sauce Gardner in this game. Another excellent game from him on what is appearing to be a defensive rookie of the year pace with how he's playing nearly had a pick six on the first drive, a a A slight inches inches away from, from being a, a pick six to open the game. You know, it's, He's playing out of his mind. I could sit here and talk about sauce all day. And the fact that he ends it by walking out of Lambo with a cheese head on and seemingly carried it with him indefinitely. I don't, he probably still is holding on to the thing right now as we record. Uh, that's <laughs> elite level cornerback trolling. And there, it feels so good as a fan of this team to be the team that's getting to, to puff your chest out in the other team's stadium, especially against a team like the Packers. This is, Sauce is like, I I really can't explain how good he is this fast.
1: It really doesn't make sense sense either.
0: No, I knew he was talented. We both knew he was talented. We both knew that we thought he would make a good transition, fit the scheme and all of that. But he is so aware of what's going on around him. That's what's impressed oh, yeah. me the most with him is that his field vision and his awareness, his route recognition. He, I don't think I've seen him fooled once this season, whereas there been a single time where you can remember where Sauce Gardner's covering somebody and he just gets absolutely routed up and is not even in the same area code as the receiver he's trying to recover. Because I don't I don't think it's happening. No.
1: I, I know that PFF uh, attributes one touchdown to him. Uh, I think it was on just the miscommunication. Uh, But I haven't seen him get like completely burned by anybody yet.
0: No, I I really don't think it's happened. And if he continues this pace, we're probably going to be talking about him as one of the best cornerbacks in the league by the end of the year. And it's crazy to say that about a rookie, but that's the type of play he's he's having right now. Uh, I believe from what I was seeing yesterday, he's had 40 total uh, coverage snaps and man coverage, and he's only been targeted six times and given up one catch. That's a little ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. And going against some premier receivers as well. Obviously you had Mark Andrews, uh, Rashad Bateman, Uh, Week one with the Ravens, you had Amari Cooper with the Cleveland Browns, you had the Bengals and all of their uh, strong receivers, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, the whole crew. Pittsburgh had a great group. Uh, Sauce was the only guy on our defense that could stop George Pickens that day. The Dolphins, we talked about the Dolphins and their skill talent, Tyreek Hill leading the league in receiving. And you get to Green Bay not the most incredibly talented receiving group as maybe it had been in years past, but when you're going against quote unquote lesser competition, you should go out and dominate. And that's exactly what he did.
1: Yeah. It's, it was quite impressive. And and before, when I said, it doesn't make sense. I mean more what he's able to do physically. Uh, he's six, four and the, the, the change of direction that he has and the fluidity he has is so impressive. And, Wild, like I, I can't. This is hard to do for, for cornerbacks that are maybe like five or six inches shorter than him. Never mind a guy at his size. It's truly impressive. Uh, and you match that with what our defensive line is doing, and you can see why it's so hard to to really move against this defense. Uh, whether it's a a backup quarterback in Miami or a, a future Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers. There's these quarterbacks are having a hard time. Uh, I think it should be noted that the linebackers probably had their best game in the yep. last couple of years. I haven't seen these guys fly around and make tackles like that in a very long time. It seemed like every time there was a hole opening up, somebody was in there to thwap the, the them right in, in, in the gut and stop them for nothing. It, it, it looked like uh, one of those like slingshots with a watermelon, just like coming back at their faces. <laughs> they would just get down right away, whether it was CJ, whether it was Quincy. Uh, Quan was amazing also. It, it, these guys showed it, it, all three levels. Uh, everybody came to play. Uh, and I don't think that we have the performance that we had yet, uh, yesterday without them.
0: No, not at all. Uh, and and I'm, I'm going to echo everything you just said and go a little bit further and say, Hats off, Quincy Williams, Never to really. come off an injury that looked as bad as it did to only miss two games, to get back on your first uh, opportunity coming off on the road, going against a tough running team like the Packers with some really good running backs in their backfield, and to just be decleating people all day long, to just be coming downfield with reckless abandon like the heat seeking missile that we all know he can be and putting people in the dirt. I mean, he suplexed Aaron Jones uh, on an inside run uh, earlier in the game. And it, that was just the beginning of what was a cr- incredible effort from Quincy. He's having a quietly really good season. It's still oh, waiting yeah. for, you know, the plays and coverage to really start clicking, but I don't think he's been a liability necessarily. I don't think he's been getting completely and totally picked on. And the way he's attacking in the run game, the misses are gone. Last year it was Quincy's so good. He's so fast. He's so explosive and he's such a hard hitter. And when he guesses right and he comes downhill and he's, the play is right and, you know, it's a big play and he blows it up. And then there's the other times where he guesses wrong and he's out of the position. He's in the wrong gap and the offense gets a huge run because of it. Not this year he is seeing what's in front of him and he is striking people with authority. And I just got to tip the cap to him because the, the improvement from last year to this year was already incredible, but to keep the pace after a serious injury and come out like an absolute madman in your first game back, that's really impressive.
1: Yeah. He's just seeing the field very well. Uh, he's taking great angles. He's uh, sifting through linemen and that the, the, the mesh up front uh and yeah he's he's got that same power it's almost like that the injury never happened when we saw him in that air cast. we thought he was done for the season for sure and then here he is what like two weeks later two uh weeks. it's incredible the uh, and and it looks like he hasn't missed a step at all uh yeah it yeah I, I he's a un, uh he's a a free agent uh, after this year. And I, I would love for him to come back. I can, I would, I would love to see him grow even more in this defense.
0: Absolutely. No, I, I he's a priority resign for me. Uh, I think you got to keep him in this building. He's a perfect scheme fit. The coaching staff uh, adores him, loved him as a prospect coming out. And even more so now having him in the building, you have the connection with Quinn in there as his brother as well, to have the familial connection and how cool it is to have those two guys playing on the same defense. But, but outside of just the coolness factor, he's playing some really, really good football, and I would really like to see him continue to grow uh, with, this co- with, these, with this coaching staff that you and I both know, Matt. All they do is create good linebackers. And so it looks like Quincy's next in line, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Moving on, we talked about the defense and the incredible performance they had. And it's a good thing they did because the offense took about a half to wake up. It was a pretty slow Day on offense for both teams uh, at the beginning of the game as the game went on. But Jets are definitely included in that. And I think it's important to be realistic and call things for what they are. And when players are doing great, we're going to celebrate them like we just did. And when players have some struggles, I think we need to be honest and realize that this was not a good game from Zach Wilson. It it really wasn't granted And this is, I think, a positive that everyone listening should really take and digest and understand. The Jets won without needing Zach Wilson to play all that great. They didn't need him to go out and be the guy who throws for 350 and and four scores and leads them to a win. They didn't need him to make the fourth quarter comeback and drive them down the field like they did in Pittsburgh. He went 10 for 18 for 110 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He got sacked twice. And I think both of the sacks were his fault. Where he's got time to potentially throw, waiting for the all twenty-two to come out to see if anyone was open downfield. But even if so, he ran straight into uh, was it Rashawn Gary, I believe. Yeah, it was uh, Gary. On, on one particular sack, and it's the pocket presence with him. I think we were really, really lacking. He had a couple of misses on top of that, and just his ability to maneuver in the pocket. I I've seen so much better from him. And I think that's why I'm a little bothered. I think we were talking pregame. I think I might be a little more bothered than you are. I just know he's capable of so much more. And I know he's capable of playing at a different level. And based on what I saw in in the Steelers game and his first game coming back from an injury and how he was able to navigate the pocket in that contest, to see a, a regression, quite honestly, and see him... Struggle to feel pressure, struggle to know where his lane of escape is going to be in the pocket, struggle to, to transition between, OK, I'm looking to throw. I'm going through my progressions. Now it's time to get out and run. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not slightly worried, but I am very, very encouraged that Zach Wilson can go. Zach Wilson can throw 18 passes and complete 10 of them and only get 110 yards of offense in the passing game and the Jets can still win by three scores. That's a good sign.
1: That's a great sign. Uh, now, it's hard for me to really know, again, without seeing the All-22, how much of it was on Zach, how much of it was on maybe the Packers having a great game plan of stopping our receivers. Uh, I know that every single time they targeted Garrett Wilson, he was pretty much blanketed by Jair Alexander. Uh, I didn't really get to see much of anybody else but between Davis and Moore. Uh, but I imagine if there are anything like Garrelson, the, there wasn't really much for for Zach to really throw to. Um, well, again, that that is yet to be seen. But if that's the case, yeah, then there's not much he could do throwing it. But at the same time, he still needs to have that awareness. He still needs to have that clock in his head, and he still needs to make smart decisions. Uh, and yeah, there's still a little recklessness. Uh, there's still the the wild, uh, almost reckless throws into the end zone in the red zone, uh, which Rares. could have resulted in an interception. Uh, it, it, I, my stomach like went through my mouth, uh, when, when that pass went off and it, I, we we're lucky to, to get away with, with, uh, three points that series. Uh, but those things need to stop. We, we can't make those passes. We can't make those mistakes, uh, against better teams. Uh, the the they're gonna make us pay and it's we got lucky but yeah but again like you said this is the story of two halves uh and i i think it should be noted that uh we've been mentioning the, the second half offense and the defense but the special teams as well they have been lights out uh this game especially with the the blocked field goal uh the 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 block punt uh the uh, both of these plays were pivotal and really changing the momentum in this game.
0: Oh yeah. That's 10 points. That's a 10 point swing off special teams where you block a Packers field goal. uh, That was a decently close. I'm pretty sure it was within 45 yards, which for I'm pretty sure Mason Crosby is still their kicker. That's well within his range and has been for years. So he could do that in his sleep. You get a block on the field goal and then you force a punt. And Michael Clemens comes screaming up the middle is able to get a hand on it, knock it down. And will parks is able to recover and run it in for a a touchdown. That's seven points added for the jets and three points taken away by the Packers off those two special teams plays. It's, Absolutely crucial. They had another excellent day. Berrios was doing his thing as a returner, had a couple of nice returns, got tripped up on one kick return in particular. Uh, I believe it was towards the beginning of the second half where he's one tackle away from probably scoring. And he just gets tripped up right in the end as he's about crossing the 35 and goes down. But we know with him, all he has to do is get to that second level when he's going to be gone. We saw it later in the game where he had a rushing touchdown. Second straight game where Barrios scores off a jet sweep. And I think that it's, it all plays together. And this was a game where eventually all three phases played in tandem and you had the defense doing their thing from the start of the game throughout the the very, very end. You had the offense who started slow and really turned things on in the second half, really got the run game going. That's where we'll talk about next a little bit, not to get too far ahead. When the run game really started going, and special teams was making plays and, and taking points off the board for Green Bay and putting them on the board for New York, that's about all you can hope for from your team as a whole.
1: Yeah, really. Uh, all... Three phases, offense, defense, special teams, working together. Uh, When those things are clicking, it's really hard to lose. Uh, You have to really try to lose. You have to put like a a classic Jets effort in losing, to lose a game where all these things are clicking. Uh, And they did not do that. They they, uh, showed up and they're showing that things have changed a little bit. We're on a three-game winning streak. Uh, uh, This is... I can't say this enough, like how exciting this is because it, this is a, a year when we're like, okay, there's still rebuilding year. We're, we're going to see maybe hopefully improvement, uh, but we're not there yet. And they said, okay, uh, where do you think we're there? And now they're showing they are, that they are that good. Uh, and yeah, uh, you alluded to it before. Uh, a lot of it could be attributed to our running game and the emergence of Hall.
0: Yeah, Brees Hall, Brees Hall, man, uh, he's there was, I think it was after the Steelers game where I had heard from, I uh, believe it was Michael Floyd talked about this in one of his press conferences where he had said that pretty sure it was the Steelers game. After that game, Brees Hall comes up to him on the field when LaFleur got out of the booth and got down to the field, or maybe it was once they got into the locker room or wherever they first met up after the game and, and Brees goes to him and he goes, I'm figuring it out. Um, um, it's clicking. I'm getting it now. I'm, I'm seeing how the NFL is supposed to run and it's, it's all fallen into place. And he's had two back-to-back games since then of complete domination uh, of being quite honestly, probably the Jets best offensive player in these past two weeks where his ability to not only take advantage of what's in front of him with just his speed and his burst. I thought his vision has improved leaps and bounds From the first two weeks of the season where he would miss some open lanes, maybe bounce outside when he shouldn't or cut things inside when he should have bounced outside. And the feel that he has now is really just taken over his ability to process what's happening in front of him and make a play. No better example than his long touchdown run where I don't know if you heard, Matt, that was supposed to be a double pass. Yeah, (laughs) And so so they fake the toss to Michael Carter. They put Brees Hall in the slot in court of a little bunch set and they have him come around. They hand him the ball. Garrett Wilson is coming on a jet motion or an orbit motion behind the play. And Brees is supposed to pitch it to Garrett, who I guess is supposed to throw to someone downfield, probably either Corey Davis or, or maybe Michael Carter if he leaks up, whoever it was supposed to be. But Brees Hall sits there and, in the fraction of a second processes that the Packers end was a little too far out wide. He didn't know if he had room to make the pitch or if Garrett was going to be open for it. And he sees green, green grass right in front of him. So he makes an absolutely gorgeous cut upfield. field where I did not know he was capable of cutting that squarely and being able to just hit the, uh, hit the jets and turn it on. Like he did. It, it is an incredible cut. The type of cut that if any of us tried to do it, we'd need like serious orthopedic surgery. And, and we, would we would look be, like Zach
1: Wilson in preseason.
0: We would look like Zach Wilson in preseason. Exactly. <laughs> and he's able to get up field. And after that, he gets out into the open. This is what we really didn't see from him early in uh, the season that we're starting to see. Now he fights for every yard he gets. He f- finishes the run with a stiff arm from the trailing Packers safety and gets himself into the end zone for the score. We didn't see that early in the season. Early in the season, he would have gotten tackled for a big gain, but I don't think it would have been a score. He's really starting to click, averaging 5.1 yards per carry on the season. Second straight game uh, with over 100 total scrimmage yards. This is uh, – things are looking – looking up for Brees. And I think this is an interesting transition. When we talk about this offense as a whole, we talked about Zach struggling. We talked about the run game going on. What's going on with Elijah Moore? Because we had a little bit of drama and I don't want to be the one to fan the flames of something that I don't think is that big of a deal, but it is worth mentioning where Elijah Moore wasn't targeted a single time against the Packers. And like we said earlier, we're waiting to see the all 22 to see whether he should have been or not, whether he was open or not. But outside of that, Rich Tamini ESPN makes the uh, the note of Elijah Moore getting no targets. And Elijah Moore chimes in and tweets over it himself, basically saying, I'm happy. Team win. I don't want to be selfish. But his last few sentences, so I'll just stay quiet. Just know I don't understand either. Not understanding why he's not getting any targets. Well, Zach Wilson only threw the ball 18 times. And I think that has a big hand in it as well. And you saw early in the game, they couldn't generate any offense to anybody. And from what it seems like from at least me on TV, Matt, I don't know about yourself. It didn't seem like anyone was too open. And that includes Elijah Moore. So I'm curious to go back and double check this, but quite honestly, if the jets are in a position where Elijah Moore can get no targets and Zach Wilson can throw 18 passes and they can win by 17 points. I'll take that any day of the week. A win's a win. And if they're going to be the, the 2019 49ers when they have to be, the fact that they have the ability to do so is really important. For Elijah Moore himself, I don't think this is going to turn into any sort of major drama. I don't think this is going to turn into anything that we have to monitor uh. Sala was asked about it today in his press conference. He said they talked everything out and they're fine and that Elijah is just a competitor and he wants to do what he can to contribute. That's literally all I think this is.
1: Yeah. I, I said as much last night too, as soon as he, this came out, I was like, uh, "This I don't mind this at all. Uh, what Elijah said is something that I feel like we're all thinking like, wow. Well, yeah, we do need to get more targets. to, to Elijah, uh, we, we, LeFleur, Needs to scheme some touches for this guy because his playmaking ability is amazing. We've seen his playmaking ability uh, both at Ole Miss and last year. And the fact that we're not kind of scheming up uh, yards for this guy is a little ridiculous. Uh, yeah, thanks to the stand up guy, the the exemplary uh, of specimen of, of a human who is Rich Lemayni for after one of the greatest wins in how many years uh lo- likes to goad players into drama uh this this is a total non-story uh i i don't i don't think there's a single teammate i don't think there's a single fan that's gonna look at Elijah and be like you're a bad teammate for thinking this no the, like exactly like Stala said the guy's a competitor. He wants to contribute. This is a special team uh, with special players, and everybody wants to get in on the action. Everybody wants to be uh, the guy that everybody's talking about, uh, and it, I, I don't blame him. We, I, I would want to be part of this team too. It, it's a special group, so yeah, a complete non-story me.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Rich Domini is an all-pro bear poker, so I'm not. Yeah. I'm not worried about about him finding a way to generate a headline. That's why he gets paid the big bucks by ESPN and has been for years. That's what he's good at. I don't think we need to spend any more time on that uh, in particular. Great we, we, win, we could win by the, the Super Bowl.
1: And he'd be like, but they haven't won in this long.
0: Well, at this point, we could win the Super Bowl and people on PFF would still be talking about the third round pick they gave up for Elijah Vera Tucker. So we could, there's, there's always going to be somebody that's going to have something to say. When you're the team that no one expects to win or no one thinks is capable of winning, they're always going to try and find reasons why it's not true. That's not the case anymore. The Jets are winning games. They're winning games with authority. They're winning games with statements. They're winning games because they are the better team on the field and there's no other reason to be said.
1: Yeah. It's it's true. I, I, I would just love to think about the, the full potential of this team. Because I don't think anybody would look at this team and say, you know what, they have peaked. They have reached their potential. I think they are far from their peak and haven't even come close to their full potential. Uh, and that's a scary thought, because they're already very hard to beat and a, a tough out. So what does that look like and how can we get there?
0: That's going to be the question. And I think the good news is that I think they're on the path to getting there. And it all goes back for me week two in Cleveland. I can't under understate how important that win was for this team but to give all of these young players confidence, to give all of these guys that have been on the team, either recently edition, uh last year or rookies this year or free agents this year, and guys like Quinn and Williams that have been through the ringer of loser, losing seasons ever since they've been drafted to go into that road environment, to have the miracle finally happen for them. I think it's just galvanized them as a unit. And we're seeing the results of it weeks and weeks later, where they put teams to bed in the fourth quarter. They bury people in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter jets are absolutely real. And I really think it all started week two in Cleveland, but you're right. They haven't reached the peak. We're still waiting for the big three hundred yard, four touchdown game from Zach Wilson. We're still waiting for the the two interception game from Sauce Gardner, or the three sack game from Carl Lawson, and you know Barrios running a kickback to boot and and put everything to, uh, in order. The whole potential of this team—it's maybe it might even be better than we thought before the year. Looking at where their ceiling could be, they really could be about as good as they want to be. And they say, you know, Quinnen says that all the time, usually just talking about the defensive line, but I think it applies to the team as a whole. They can be as good as they want to be. And it's just a matter of putting the right pieces in place, getting the reps down, trusting in each other, going out and executing. And they've done a really good job of that over these last handful of weeks.
1: They really have. Uh, I think if they can replicate what they do in the fourth quarter in the first half of the game, uh, I think really don't see how many teams can really keep pace with that. Maybe the the chiefs and the bills could, but not many other teams. If we can put that together for four quarters. Uh, and that's a great question. Uh, how, how can we do that? And I think it starts with LeFleur. Uh, it seems like he takes the whole first half and uses it to build his, his masterpiece of, of, a, of a fourth quarter. Uh, he takes everything he's learned and he builds these packages and these these plays, uh, and they just seem to work magically. Uh, it's not magic though, because he's actually taking the time and breaking down what the defense has been throwing at him all game, and he uh, adjusts. He builds a, a, a new game plan, and it works. And a lot of that has to do with Hall too. Going back to Hall, uh, I don't remember how many attempts he had in the, the first half it wasn't many though uh it seemed like he really wanted to get zach established and it led to a lot of stalled drives uh but i think even in the first half uh hall was still breaking off a good amount of runs uh for decent yardage so he, it's not like he wasn't productive uh maybe if we start feeding him a little earlier Uh, Maybe take that pressure off Zach early. Uh, And if Hall's really killing it out there, uh, that'll take the pressure off the entire offense as well. Uh, And it'll open things up too, because eventually, eventually defenses are going to start stacking the box to try and stop Paul, And that will open everything up for the receiving game, uh, for the passing game. Uh, We'll hopefully then get to see uh, Elijah Moore, Wilson, Davis, uh, Conklin, everybody else really start to, to pile on the, the, the offense then.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and I think that's a, a good way to bookend this game before we get into preview and next week with the Denver Broncos is Brees Hall's the identity of this offense right now. He's the engine of this offense. It is not taking long at all for him to completely supplant Michael Carter as the running back one. And I think he is the offense goes as Brees goes. And if you can get him going early, like you said, teams will start stacking the box. We saw a deep shot to Corey Davis off play action that was wide open. It was kind of a bad throw by Zach because it was inside and short and Corey had to adjust to it. And if he leads him, it's probably his touchdown. But that's neither here nor there. We're seeing... What this offense wants to be, what we talked about all summer in terms of establishing the run game, having these two good running backs, having an explosive home run hitter in Brees Hall that's going to scare the hell out of defenses, and then having all these other speed freaks on the outside to throw over their heads when they do. There's a lot of hope for this team going forward. I think you got to lean on Brees Hall until it's not working. And until it seems like running Brees Hall into the dirt doesn't work, so far it seems to keep working. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what I always say.
1: Yeah, it, it again. We have to look at the all twenty-two, but it, it seemed like Green Bay really wanted to take the 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 ball out of the receivers' hands, and we're blanketing them. I I don't believe I saw them blitz a lot. It looked like a lot of four-man fronts dropping seven guys in the coverage, uh, and I, I don't think there was a lot for Zach to do. Uh, but I I really wish Lafleur caught onto that a little earlier and started leaning on hall a little earlier. Uh, but again, it, it, the second half, it showed that that game plan can only get you so far because eventually hall will beat you. And when he does, it's going to be for giant chunks and probably scores as well. He's probably come very close, to, uh, multiple times to scoring. Uh, and so it, it, it's it, these these scores are gonna come in chunks for him. uh he's been what stopped on the one yard maybe a, a, a handful of times already uh,
0: at least three off the top of my head uh,
1: yeah it, it's it's gonna happen more and more until teams make a concerted effort to really stop him uh, and then like we were just saying, then you have to deal with the rest of the offense and Zach. And I think that's when we're going to see that game from Zach that we've all been waiting for. I, I don't think he's had a 300-yard game yet. Uh, once he has that, I think we can finally say, all right, make, make an excuse now. What What is the yep. excuse for, for this team that you want to make? Because now we've got Zach running, hitting on all cylinders. Uh, wh- where's the flaw?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think once that happens, you're going to see – you're going to see a jets team that not a lot of the other teams in the NFL are going to want to go up against. Uh, They're going to be a force to be reckoned with quite honestly. If the defense can, can stack a few more uh, performances like they had against the Packers and the offense can get clicking and Zach can start chucking those balls downfield accurately and not just throwing prayers that Corey's going to go make uh, make him look better on then. Yeah, this team's really going to come to fruition and I'm excited to see it happen. And I'm going to be honest, Matt leading into where we're going next I think it's going to be this week against Denver. I am amazed right now. I have to go back and double check the line. But the last time I checked the line this morning, the Denver Broncos are favored by three and a half points at home against the New York (laughs) jets. The Broncos are two and three on the season. They are currently playing right now on Monday night football against the chargers. They're up 10 to seven. It's about to go to the half, but the chargers do have the ball at the exact moment of this recording. Either way. If Denver wins, they're three and three. If they don't win, then they're two and four. Regardless, based on how they've played this so far this season, and based on what happened the last time the whole world saw them against the Indianapolis Colts, I don't think there's any reason whatsoever the Jets should be uh, should be underdogs to the Denver Broncos at home. I think the Jets have shown, like we said, they are road warriors that they can take on anybody in their own stadium and they seem to thrive in that environment. And I'll tell you, I am hoping with every cell in my body that that line doesn't move because you know, all week, Robert Sala is going to be in the building going you guys are four and two and just took out the Packers and they still think you're an underdog to these guys. Let's go show them what's for. And you're going to see a a ticked off jet squad walk into Denver and, and Completely overwhelm the Broncos with their violence and their tenacity and their effort. We'll get into, you know, the actual specifics of how we think that'll happen next. But in terms of an attitude and a mindset and, and and where these two teams are in relation to each other, I think there's absolutely no reason to think that the Jets can't walk into Denver and completely and totally dog walk them around their own stadium.
1: Yeah, I I I love being an underdog <laughs> as soon as and so the do those, they,
0: and so yeah, do
1: they. So do they. It's us versus the world mentality. Uh, and they've been embracing it. Uh, every time I see all, all the analysts pick the other team, uh, it's just makes, it just fuels me as a fan to cheer that much harder, even though I don't have any kind of contribution to the win at all. It just fuels me. So so if it fuels me, it's got to fuel them mm-hmm. as well uh but then, this isn't going to be another i don't think this is going to be an easy win uh even though the the Broncos uh have a losing record right now it is a tie game now chargers just tied it up uh i i see their defense as a lot better than green bay's defense and i believe green bay had a kind of an answer for at least a half for how to slow down our offense uh and if denver can really Turn it on and and stop the run as well as the pass. Then we're we're gonna have a pretty uh, flaccid offense all day. So hopefully that uh, and I, I don't want them to use this game tonight as a springboard into our game, where all of a sudden now they have momentum. But you know what? You know I don't care actually. I I, I don't want to be scared of any teams anymore. I don't think we should be scared of any teams anymore. I think we can go toe-to-toe with anybody uh, and and make a, a good showing of it. So, you know what, even if Denver gets hot after this game, if they win and they're, they're riding high into the Jets game, uh, I'm not worried. Uh, I Anything can happen, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not worried because I know this team seems like they t- finally turned that corner and can go toe-to-toe with teams that are even riding highs.
0: Yeah, I think so, too, Uh, regardless of the outcome of the Broncos current game right now. I don't think it changes the Jets mindset one bit. I think they are in the exact same mode that they were going to be regardless, and they're going to come out ready to play. Starting with the offense, looking ahead to this game, what can the offense do to not have a repeat performance of their first half in Green Bay? You said it. The Denver defense is talented. There's a lot of good players on this defense. Defensive line is strong, Bradley Chubb obviously at one edge. Uh Baron Browning's a former inside linebacker. They've moved outside and have him rushing the passer and he's been doing really well at that. I think it's a little more natural for him. It's I think he started as a defensive end and eventually moved over to a linebacker. Uh, inside linebacker position so he's doing some good work secondary for denver is very very strong pat certain is an excellent corner on the outside pat certain the second uh you got kwan williams is the other corner damari mathis in the slot is a rookie he was a guy you and i really liked coming out matt i mm, believe he definitely. was a was he included in our uh, final um war room as a pick or was he just an option so i remember we discussed uh, having him for a while I don't know if he, I don't remember if he exactly made the final cut, but either way, we both like him in the secondary. Safeties are very strong. Justin Simmons is a a fantastic free safety. Kareem Jackson's done well with his transition from corner to safety as well. It's going to be a tough task overall doing anything against this defense, but I think the, the number one way you beat this defense is you win to the edges. I think they keep things very tight. I think especially with their uh, base 3-4 scheme, you're going to have three down linemen generally if they're in base on the inside. When they go nickel, you're going to have Chubb and Browning on the edges, and you're going to have Draymond Jones and DJ Jones inside as the tackles. It's a tough scheme, but I don't think they have much speed overall on the unit. I think their corners are very fast. I think they have some good pass rushers, but I think it's a lot more beef and bulk than it is outright speed and fluidity. And when you look at the inside linebackers, that to me is the weak unit of this defense. And uh, Josie Jewell, who's hurt right now, I don't know if he will be coming back for the Jets game, but even if he does, that's fine because I do not think he's that good of a player. Alex Singleton hasn't done much this year either. It's been a... They can be exploited in the middle. And I think if you get those two guys trying to chase Brees Hall to the edge, they're going to have a long day. Uh
1: I wonder if Justin Simmons is going to be back. I don't I don't, I don't know if he's playing he tonight. He was playing. At all.
0: He is playing tonight, yes.
1: He is playing tonight. So he was activated, him, yes. Him being back is, is big for the middle of that of that defense. Uh along with Kareem Jackson. Uh, and Stearns I, I, they have a, a very good safety group so it's not like they're inept in the middle of the field but yeah those those linebackers are definitely the weakness if we can uh, exploit them with uh, with to the outside like you said or even just getting them in coverage against the uh, hall or, or, or Carter I think uh, that is a favorable matchup or even Conklin and uh and CJ, if we can get those guys involved, anybody that we can get up against these linebackers, exploit it, exploit it, exploit it. Don't stop until they can prove they can stop. Uh, and yeah, just get, get the run game going early. Uh, I, I feel like he, uh, Lafleur sees like a, a couple plays go for short yardage or, or no yardage, and then he kind of just goes away from it right away. Uh, when really it's, he, he just needs to keep going. Just keep, banging at it it's going to it's going to work especially uh with the way halls playing and even the offensive line late has really shown that they can come together and be adequate run blockers uh i still think that they're horrible in short yardage they get absolutely no push but you get these guys no, on the don't. move you get these guys on the move they they can they can trap they can they can get the reach blocks uh you can get brown in his 38 your old body running downfield, making blocks on the move. Uh, these guys can still move, and uh, Hall and his vision, Carter and his vision, and their ability to make people miss—they'll—they'll uh, they'll pull it out for for decent yardage. Uh, I would pretty much get rid of all inside runs. Uh, I know you got to keep them honest every now and then, but uh, they—I feel like they're just non-starters for this offense. But yeah, like attack the outside, attack the edge. Uh, these guys, Carter and Hall, prove that they can hit that edge fast and hard. They can get those cutback lanes fast and hard. And they'll get you the yards you need to really get this offense started quickly and really free up uh, Zach to to maybe do some play action uh, or to do some, some zone reads or some option plays. Uh, there's a lot of things that they could do. Uh, I just want to see a little bit more uh, ingenuity, creativity from Lafleur uh, to start the game I, and and not just go through the motions for two quarters.
0: I agree. Yeah, I think it would be nice to see you know Lafleur open up the playbook a little bit earlier in the game. And I'm going to be honest; it is kind of concerning that those are the plays that are scripted. Usually, are the first 15 plays of the game uh, for most offenses, and I'm pretty sure the Jets included where that's your game plan. That's your, this is what we saw on film. This is what we're trying to establish. This is what we're trying to set up for later in the game. And then, as you said, as the game goes on and the floor gets an idea for how things are going, I do give him credit for adjusting and being, you know, able to alter the course and see where the game is headed and really flow in one direction and not just ram your head in the wall trying to do the same thing. But I would like to see some things a little earlier in the game, try and generate some explosives and get out to a lead. And as we've said for a long time, Matt, when the Jets get out to a lead, that's how this team and especially this defense is built to play. And you really saw that pay off for the Jets after they got out to that 10-3 lead. They got up by a touchdown. Um, Then you saw Green Bay having to throw the ball more, and that's when the defensive line really came home. So I'm, I'm hoping to see that as well. One other thing I'm specifically going to be looking for, and it's something I really don't know why the Jets haven't done before, especially now with Zach Wilson back. But maybe this is the week that changes. When I'm looking at the Broncos cornerback group, it reminds me a lot of our own because you have Pat Sertain the second on the outside who's six foot two, 200 plus pounds, big, long, strong, physical. And you have Kaywan Williams on the other outside corner who's a lot smaller, five foot nine, 190 something pounds, 185 pounds. This is his official listing. a lot smaller, shiftier of a player. That would be more similar to a DJ Reed, while Pat Sertain is more similar to a Sauce Gardner. And just it happened in the Green Bay game where you get a tall receiver matched up on DJ Reed, and I think that's like his only weakness is when he's going against guys that have size because he just gets out bodied, and you can throw back shoulders on a to a bigger receiver and let him go up and get it. So when I'm looking at this matchup. I see Pat Sertain is one outside corner. I see Kwan Williams is the other. And as far as I know, I don't think Pat Sertain is traveling or, or shadowing anybody right now. And I'm pretty sure that he's playing on a side, and they got Kwan playing on the other side. Even I think if Kwan's
1: in the slot, actually, and and, and uh, Darby, I believe, is 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 on the
0: outside. Is Darby on the outside? Darby's on IR. Okay. Darby was oh, on the outside. Oh, okay. Because okay, okay. I was going to say, because I sense. swear, I swear I saw K1 playing on the outside last week in the Colts game. But um, anyway, so if Darby's on IR and K1 Williams is, the, is one of their outside corners, even if not, because I still think you can do this from the slot with slot fades. I want Corey Davis on K1 Williams. Because I think you can just get some free balls, with back shoulders by out uh, outmanning Kwan Williams and letting Corey Davis who's having a really really good season be the guy that kind of leads this passing game and, and takes things over. And I go back to to the Jets and why I don't understand why they don't try and target smaller corners with back shoulders more because Zach Wilson was deadly with it at BYU. That was pretty much his get-out-of-jail-free card whenever he didn't know what else was going on, is, oh well, I'm going to have Dax or Gunnar Romney on the sideline, and if they're ahead of their guy, I'll put it out in front, and if they're even, I'll throw a back shoulder, and they'll adjust and body box out whoever's covering them. I think the Jets can do the same thing. We saw it happen against uh, the Packers when Alan Lazard got on DJ Reed, as I was saying before, where DJ Reed gets matched up on Lazard, and Rogers is able to throw a back shoulder about as perfect of a ball as you could hope over, uh, right over the top of Reed's head and Lazard's able to catch it over his hands and then we had an, a back shoulder for a touchdown where he gets matched up on LaMarcus Joyner Alan Lazard again LaMarcus Joyner being a 5'9 safety and Rodgers being able to put it outside where Joyner couldn't get to it Lazard can adjust and it's a 25 yard touchdown I believe at least 20 yards I don't remember the exact yardage I think the Jets can do something similar and especially if you're going to have K1 Williams as an outside corner, I want Corey Davis on him every single time. And not that I don't think Garrett Wilson can you know, do well or Elijah Moore will do well or, or anything in between. But when Zach needs the get out of jail free card, when Zach needs the, okay, things are breaking down. What am I going to look for? Who am I going to trust? I think he's looking for Corey right now. And So I want Corey Davis on the best possible matchup for him that he could get. I really think this could be a big game for Corey.
1: How often does the receiver really get or the offense really get to choose who their matchup is, though?
0: Well, see, and that's the thing is if they're playing sides, then they get to every time. And like yeah. the Jets play sides, and that's why DJ Reed's been victim to it a handful of times because teams know, well, if we want to throw down the field and we want to try and let our big receivers go and win a tough matchup, they're not doing it on six three sauce gardner, but it makes sense for them to do it on five foot nine DJ Reed. Where if the if the Broncos are traveling their corners, my thought would be logically, Pat Sertain's gonna be on Garrett Wilson. He's their best corner,
1: just like Alexander was
0: and Jair. Exactly. So Jair, Alexander and Green Bay trails Garrett in the slot. I think if Pat Sertain is trailing, he's going to likely trail Garrett. Garrett's likely going to be in the slot for a good bit of reps. And that's where you're going to have Sertain in the slot. Sertain's in the slot and Williams is playing. Then he's going to be on one or, you know, either the left or right somewhere on the outside. I'm I think you can get into the right matchup. Even if not, I think you can motion to it. I think if it starts, you know, you start on the wrong side and, and you need to flip something over, you send Corey in motion or you motion, you know, maybe you put him in a stack alignment with him behind Elijah Moore and then you motion Elijah Moore to the other side and it leaves one-on-one. There's ways to get into favorable matchups. And I, it's regardless of what the Broncos defense does. The only way the Broncos defense avoids this is by having Sertain trail Corey Davis. Which I don't think they would do to start off. And if they do, then you're leaving Kaywan Williams to deal with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore all day. And I don't think that's going to be, I don't think he can keep up. I think Garrett Wilson can body him out just as well as Corey would be able to while also being able to run, you know, get open just with speed and separation. I think there's some really good matchups to be had against this secondary, and I'm hopeful this is the week the Jets start finally trying to take advantage of what they have in front of them, know their opponent, and pick apart matchups.
1: It'd be nice. Uh, it's going to be a hard task, though. this This group is very talented, uh, uh, even more so if Simmons is back.
0: Yeah, it's not going to be. It's not going to be anything easy. Simmons obviously makes things difficult, but I do think that there is an opportunity for some explosive passes. If you get into the right matchups, looking on the defensive side of the ball, defensive line has to be looking their chops. Garrett Bowles, the Broncos left tackle is officially out for the year. He is not going to be coming back. They have Calvin Anderson starting in his place. Their regular backup. Tom Compton is out tonight against the chargers. This is a offensive line that could very easily be exploited. And if I hear someone's left tackle is out and their backup isn't playing, we'll see what happens on Sunday in terms of whether Compton can start or not. But you know who, uh, who's bell i shouldn't going to start ringing, Matt? Carl Lawson. This is the Carl Lawson wakes up and starts filling up the stat sheet and not just the film sheet with all of his great plays. And so if I'm looking at this Broncos offense, knowing they have potentially a leaky offensive line, And a really good group of receivers with a good quarterback in Russell Wilson, even if he hasn't played to it to times varying degrees so far this year. I think you replicate the same matchup you just had against the Packers. I don't think the Jets blitzed Rodgers much. If they did, it was maybe sending one or extra, you know, five rushers instead of four, but it was a lot of stunts up front. It was a lot of four man rushes and, you know, letting those front four really take advantage and control the game. I think you do the exact same thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, get those guys up front going uh, against the, uh, an injured and bewildered offensive line for, for the Broncos. Uh, if we can get them going like they did against the Green Bay, it's going to be tough sledding for Russell Wilson. Uh, I, yes, Russell Wilson is very athletic and can extend plays, but so could Rodgers, and we still were able to contain him uh, and his legs. Uh, and we've done the same before, too, with uh, with Jackson and with Baltimore. We were able to contain him as well, for the most part. Uh, I, so I'm not really worried about uh, the, the wheels on, on Wilson. Uh, I think we can contain them as, as well as we've done everybody else. Uh, but yeah, if we can get that pressure, and then it's just up to our secondary again to really do their magic. And it, well, if we can get that pressure, we'll probably force some turnovers as well.
0: I think so too. And that's going to lead directly into my last point for defense. And I know this is something the Jets can do because they did it week one in Baltimore. And I would really like to see them, you know, have this be the week where they can do it again. When they get in third down situations, I want Sauce traveling with uh, Cortland Sutton. I do not want to risk the third and nine back shoulder with Cortland Sutton on DJ Reed that goes for 25 yards. I don't. And I think that knowing the Broncos and knowing Russell Wilson and how he likes to attack when he's throwing deep, he throws a lot of slot fades. When you had Tyler Lockett, that's a really good way to do it. And he likes throwing deep balls down the boundary. If I get Cortland Sutton on DJ Reed, if I'm Russell Wilson and it's third and nine, that's where I'm going with the ball. I predetermine it. I don't care you know get him going down the field throw it back shoulder let Sutton adjust and he'll go out and he he should in theory be able to body up on a smaller corner like DJ Reed. I don't want this to be the crap on DJ Reed show because that's not what I'm trying to say. I just think this is the only thing that he struggles with because as someone that's, you know, a shorter stature cornerback, there's only so much he can physically do. It's a natural disadvantage and so you want to put your players in the best positions to succeed. I like the idea of DJ Reed on KJ Hamler or Jerry Judy a lot more than I like the idea of DJ Reed on Cortland Sutton. And so I would love to see them trust sauce and say, OK, we don't need to do it the whole game because I know they play a lot of zone you know, early on. And if you get beat with some back shoulders and some early downs, it's going to happen. There's even more reason to on third down when things matter most, put sauce on Sutton and let him take away that just body up back shoulder deep ball. I think it's, you know, just like on offense, take advantage of what you have in the secondary, the Jets secondary and the Broncos secondary being very similar in terms of their composition. I think this is another game where it's the same thing the other way, where try your best defensively to not give up free plays to big receivers because they're going against short corners.
1: Has Sauce traveled at all, or is he, he?
0: traveled still? Andrews week one.
1: All right, so it's not impossible; it's not unheard of to, to for them to go away. No, but only on, on third side. down.
0: That's the thing: is that oh, when only on third. Is that okay. Yes. So on first and second, we have Sauce is the uh, the left corner. DJ Reed is the right corner. Uh, on their standard package on early downs, but on third down they put Sauce on Andrews. And he would move inside and they would have Carter go and play uh, the other outside corner. Or they would have Bryce Hall come in uh, where we saw for those couple of reps when they went in their dime sets and he would play on the outside. I think this is another another game where you do something similar. And if you need to go into a dime set, well, saw said to come out for a little bit for a seemingly a head injury, but he seemed like he was able to finish and as fine. We don't have to worry from there. And Brandon Eccles came in the game again, second time now this year where he's didn't came in a beat. and didn't skip a beat and immediately got tested on a deep ball and probably should have had an interception and just wasn't able to quite adjust to the ball, right. And really kind of dropped it, but covered the deep route absolutely perfectly on Alan Lazard. So if we have to move sauce, even if Sutton goes in the slot and you got to move sauce to the slot, I'm comfortable with Eccles on the outside. I think Carter uh, Carter too is playing good enough ball to where we can trust him. If he needs to do some outside reps, I worry. I'm worried so much about Cortland Sutton and Russell Wilson, just throwing back shoulders all day long that I'm going to do anything I can to stop that. I think sauce is the perfect guy for it. Yeah. uh,
1: Between his physicality, his size uh, and his fluidity. Just, just like he showed against Lazard and, and being able to change direction on a dime and, and really drive on the ball. Uh, yeah. He's, he's the perfect matchup for, for Sutton. Uh, but you know what, even if he's matched up against Judy, I, even as shifty as Judy is, I think that the uh, sauce is fluid enough to, to even hang with him. Uh, but again, yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, him on Sutton on those third downs, prevent the back shoulder. Uh, prevent him from really using his physicality against Reed or or anybody else Uh, yeah take advantage of the the matchups you can you can handle
0: yeah absolutely that's that's what the best football teams do and when the NFL is a matchup league and it is always going to be so if you're not playing matchup football it's going to make things a lot harder for yourself to just trust that anybody and anybody is going to be able to guard anybody and anybody else, regardless of any physical skill sets or or makeup or anything like that. I think you have to do what you can to make it easier for your players to succeed. And I think this is the perfect game to really get that opportunity to do so. Absolutely. All right, Matt, let's get into game picks before we get on out of here. Um, I'll let you go ahead and start. I'm still kind of figuring out where exactly I'm going to put my, uh, my score.
1: All right. Well, I have been getting uh, trounced lately with my predictions. Uh, but at the same time, every time I, I think they're going to lose, they, they still somehow pull it out. So, you know what, I'm not going to change my uh, my reverse jinx. And I'm going to say that it's going to be 13-9 Seattle. Uh, I think they're going to show up on defense. They're going to have... They're going to start throwing problems at our offense that we're not going to be able to handle. They'll force uh, Zach to throw it into tough situations, uh, and they're going to have an answer for Hall. And it's just going to be tough sledding all day uh, at most, a couple field goals. But for the most part, uh, it's not going to be easy for us to really get anything going on offense. Uh, and then for defense, I think they're going to play very well uh, against this this Broncos offense, but in the end, I think just a few plays here and there will will be enough, uh, especially since our offense won't be able to handle it. So yeah, 13-9 Broncos.
0: All right. All right. 13-9 Broncos. That is a definitely interesting prediction. Uh, I appreciate the reverse jinx as a a well-known jinx myself. I, I always know trying to use our powers for good. It doesn't always go the way we hope, but sometimes it works out. I'm on the completely different end of the spectrum as you, Matt. I think this is going to be a dominant Jets win. I think the Jets are going to walk in to Mile High Stadium in Denver, and they are going to take things over from the very first whistle until the very end. I think the Broncos are having a close game right now. It's 13-10 half with the Broncos leading over a division rival in the Chargers. You got a short week, which makes things more difficult when you're going against a team that is, you know, a division rival, and then you get the very next week, a short week is only going to make it even harder when you don't have as much time to, to rest and get prepared. On top of that, they're breaking in some new starters on the offensive line, and that's always going to make things difficult. And I'm just looking at this entire game as a whole with how the jets are playing right now, with how they play on the road, how they've been able to, to just, get all the pieces really sorted together. And I remember last year, what happened the last time the Jets went to the, uh, to Denver in week three last year, they got shut out 26 to nothing. I guarantee you, Robert Sala didn't forget that. I guarantee you. Quinn and Williams didn't forget that. I think these jets are pissed. I think this is a revenge game in disguise for the New York jets and I haven't seen enough out of Russell Wilson quite yet to say everything's clicking and everything's going well. They don't have Javante Williams. They're down their left tackle. We don't know what the deal is going on with their uh, potential backup tackles, and their defense is strong, but it's being routinely put in some really tough positions by their offense. I think overall, our defense does a re- matches up very, very well with this Broncos offense. I think the Jets are going to make a big, big, big statement. 28 to three Jets. Ooh. I think 28 to three Jets. I think they sh- completely shut down this offense. I'm not worried about the Broncos one run game one bit. I think as long as Sauce can get on Sutton on those key third downs, that it's going to be really hard to convert any convert any uh, first downs for the Broncos offense, keep the chains moving. I think Carl Lawson's going to explode. I think and Williams is an all pro. And I think the offense led by Brees Hall is probably going to have another slower start. But as the game gets going, they're going to wear that team out. And if the Denver offense is not doing anything, that defense is going to wear out even faster. You're going to see the classic Jets fourth quarter explosion And I think this is going to be an absolutely huge win. Sit the Jets at five and two after seven weeks, 28 to three jets. I think this is going to be domination.
1: That's a lofty prediction. Uh, I don't know if I could sign off on that, but I would love to see it.
0: I'm drinking the Kool-Aid man. We are, we are, we are drunk off Kool-Aid. And as a, as a very, very proud uh, honorary Tennessee volunteer over this past weekend, getting the chance to go into Knoxville and experience Tennessee-Alabama live, probably the best football game I'll ever see in my life in person. I'm feeling something with these underdogs, and there's something about revenge, and there's something about getting a team that just had a tough fight where Alabama struggled with A&M the week before, and then they have to go into Knoxville, and was it a complete and total domination by the Volunteers? No. But I also think that The Broncos aren't quite at the level in the NFL that Alabama is in uh, college football. And maybe it's not the perfect exact comparison, but I see a lot of emotion hidden in this game for the New York Jets, and I don't see that same on the other side for the Denver Broncos. I think at the end of the day, that's going to make all the difference. I do not want to be anyone playing a pissed off New York Jets team right now, and I think Denver's in for it.
1: I, I, I hope you're right. Uh, it, 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 I, I would love to see it if we can go five and two uh, that would really it, it, if we could put up that many points against this defense that gives me hope against a defense uh, like the the Bills defense because that's another outstanding defense if we could, it, it shows that we can move it uh, in a tough situation. Um, I'm, I'm doubtful but that would be really cool to see.
0: Yeah, I I really think they can do it. Um, they gave up 32 points to the Raiders.
1: Okay, well, eh, see, the, the division games though uh, are, are a little funky. Just a, and this a, game's a little division, funky because the Jets are pissed. This game's a little funky too. I, I, I think you meant this charging game, but yeah, uh, anything can happen. It's it's football. Uh, let's let's get out there. Let's let's show what we can do.
0: That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping the Jets prove me right. I'm fully on board with this team. I think they are clicking at just the right time. I think their important pieces are rounding into form. And I really think that it's just the start of the ride. And when Robert Sala talked about it, you know, early in the season that when it clicks and when it happens and it, it, everyone starts taking off, you know, you'll know it when you see it. I've seen it. And I think they're there. I think this is going to be a fourth win in a row. I can't wait for next Sunday. I I think it's going to be a a joy to watch as a fan of the New York Jets. Let's ride. Yeah. Jets country. Let's ride. That's how I'm (laughs) going to end this one. Thank you all so much for listening. That has been the show this week, Matt, go ahead and tell the people where they can find you and we'll get on out of here.
1: Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets.
0: And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. And make sure you're also following the show at OKD Podcast. Thank you one more time again so much for tuning in and listening. Jets are four and two. Who would have guessed? Look at us. I feel like the Paul Rudd meme right now. Hey, look at us. Who would have thought? I think they're going to keep it going. I think this is only the beginning. Jets country, let's ride.